Good morning, party people. And of course, by party, I mean Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Libertarians, Green Party, Constitutional Party, wherever party you might find yourself in, at least for Americans. If you're not American, probably don't vote in the American elections. I'm not here to tell you what to do. We don't give legal advice on this channel. But for everyone else, welcome to Hangouts and Headlines, November 8th, 2022, Election Day edition, the perfect day to be online. There's nothing but awesome commentary and just really reasonable-minded people out there uh, today. And we're going to try to talk about a lot of them uh, with the note that our topic of Elon Musk and Twitter is so all over the place. There are so many articles. There are so many tweets. There are so many things to look at that we're going to have kind of a meandering jam session of articles rather than our more kind of pointed here's a headline and we're just going to go over this seemingly everybody on earth at least in the journalistic sphere has talked about elon musk at length in the last 10 days it's one of the reasons i didn't want to do a virtual legality on it because it's just all over the place but we're going to talk about layoffs we're going to talk about twitter blue we're going to talk about verification check marks we're going to talk about recommendations for political voting from the new head of Twitter. We're going to talk about how that's treated by Fox and Atlantic and Washington Post and other places. We're just going to have a grand old time, everybody. And I hope you're in for it because I'm ready for it. It's exciting. It's going to have, have some fun. And I like the people that come in and say, hey, you know, I'm not on Twitter, Rick. I'm not on Twitter. First of all, as I have said in the past, probably a very wise choice. You're making good choices, Kelly Clancy, and I'm glad to see it. But Everybody is reporting on it so, so much. We'll see faces that we recognize. We've got a Taylor Lorenz article, I think, on Twitter. And I don't know if we're going to cover that a bunch, but we've got that in there from the Washington Post. We've got things that are just all over the place. And one of the things that might illustrate the problems that some people are having with Elon Musk's new ownership is just what I told you, which is that it is so kind of, um, you know, the, the streams I do with Emily and Rob and Ian, where you're just like, I have no idea what the next 30 seconds is going to be like because we're just bouncing all over the place, which is fine for a stream late night on YouTube. It maybe isn't as great for a manager, a singular point of management at a $40 billion corporation. So we'll be talking about all that. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it because it's a really raucous kind of story. And I like talking about those kinds of things with you all. But before we do, how's everybody doing? Do you have any early thoughts about Twitter? If you've been following any of these stories, uh, do you have any early thoughts about Election Day? We're not a political channel. We're not going to get into all these things. I hope whatever party you are in, you have a great Election Day, that you feel good about the direction of the country. I'm an optimist. I hope for that for all. But we're not going to get in the details there. I find it to be a little bit... Uh, difficult to have reasonable minds can differ a lot of the time here with a bunch of folks that have very passionate views on different directions for this country or other countries. Uh, and so we're just going to keep that. We're just going to keep that to the side. We can wish each other well. Uh, and we're going to talk about Elon Musk, which is its own kind of political party, the, the Musktopians, uh, perhaps. M. Swartz with a, with a super chat early this morning. I really appreciate it. Hi, sweet man. Please thank your dear wife for dealing with my crazy DMs this a.m. I had not been told of crazy DMs this AM, but I will let her know. Thank you so much for the super chat. Uh, and uh, Mrs. Hoaglaw uh, loves DMs, loves to chat with people in this community. Everybody's been very gracious. Uh, and so she she likes to do that. 
So I, I'm sure that she won't have viewed them as crazy DMs this AM, but I will let her know. Outbreak Podcast is I love Twitter, LOL. Love it. I will tell you this. This channel would not have gotten as big. I would not have made as many connections. I wouldn't be writing as many articles for outlets uh, if I didn't have Twitter, uh, right? So Twitter is a hellscape. There is so much bad on Twitter. People call me all sorts of nasty names on Twitter seemingly every day. And if you let that get to you, if you, if it's the wrong day for you, that can get you down. I think Twitter is no doubt adding misery to the lives of potentially millions. Uh, but it can also be useful if you're very careful about it and or if you have a thick skin. Uh, so it's interesting to watch this all happen. I think this kind of thing is likely to happen more and more across platforms. So I don't think you have to be specifically tied to Twitter to see there are issues with tech and social media that are either going to be handled by regulators or with layoffs or both. Uh, in the future. And so I think this is kind of an inflection point for this entire genre of technology. And so I think it's well worth talking about. Sherry says, I am never, I am a never Twitterer. I love it. Jay says, I lasted less than a week on Twitter. It's a lot of crap on there. There is a lot of crap on there. What else do we have here? Laura Shea, good morning from Vermont with an awesome leaf. I love fall leaves. They're gone in Michigan. We had them for about a week. Now all the trees are naked. It's very sad. Uh, we're, we're getting ready for the darkness and the cold. Welcome to Michigan, folks. <laughs> Instead of pure Michigan, it should be Tim Allen saying, prepare for the darkness and the cold. Or maybe get, you know, signing a deal with George R. R. Martin. Winter is coming, and it's in Michigan. Uh, howdy from Arizona, says Half-Blood Hella. Daniel Weston says the day after they accepted the offer I left. So that was back in April. Uh, do you miss it, Daniel? I suspect you don't. <laughs> Radio Free Baveristan says Twitter is a fun ant farm to watch from afar. It is that. You do get to see people react to a lot of things as you watch. Would you say he's mercurial? I would. I would definitely say he's mercurial. Seemingly, we can't avoid mercurial action from our social media or other tech leaders. It's just the way... They are, whether that's Mark Zuckerberg, whether that's Susan, whether that's Elon, it's just the way they are. So, yes, if you add on to the fact that Elon Musk not used to dealing with social media as an enterprise, instead used to engineering rockets and cars and submarines, whatever else he's doing on any given day, it's been uh, it's been wild. Midnight Drury is going to spend a day hiding from the snow playing God of War Ragnarok. Midnight Drury, I think that comes out tomorrow. I hate I hate to be the bearer of bad news on this. I don't think it comes out today, unless you got an early copy, in which, congratulations. Uh, but I think it comes out tomorrow. Law of Improbability says, my contracts prop made a sign up for Twitter years ago. I decided I didn't like being bombarded with random conversations with little details. Yep, I can hear that. And I can also hear that professors or schools of either marketing or law might be telling people that they have to get on this and they have to engage with it. You don't, but I have found it useful for my particular small business. And so it's it's an avenue that is uh, relatively low cost, as long as you don't mind the psychological warfare that is sometimes waged on its pages. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's a requirement to actually engage with if you want to succeed. Stephanie, non-political way to talk about elections. Do many countries vote during the week? In Austria, in every election I hear off in the news, we vote on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think ours is pretty much written into the week. Um, that is curious. I don't honestly know. I know some folks have pushed to have a holiday today. 
which is not a thing, at least here in Michigan. Uh, and uh, it might change uh, across jurisdictions. But yeah, I think probably I would I would be willing to guess that most countries probably do have elections that are on weekends or otherwise that don't conflict with work. I'd be interested in hearing that answer. Definitely. Powerpuff 4 says, I think Musk doesn't know what he's doing with Twitter and it will not do well under his leadership. I deactivated my account a while ago. I definitely think he doesn't know what he's doing. I think the question is, uh, if you follow the kind of uh, Silicon Valley mentality of go fast and break things, see what works, see what doesn't, A-B test, just go fast. Uh, whether that can work in a social media tech company setting. And some people think it can't. Some people think Elon Musk is a genius. I'm probably in the middle. I think you can do it this way. I think it is enormously chaotic to do it this way. And the people that are reporting on it are folks that can potentially sway people into kind of making the reality the case, that it is too chaotic and it's going poorly. And the problem that you have with your Twitter is that you've curried favor with journalists for forever. Uh, that Twitter is known as the journalist platform because you gave them verified check marks if they had 40 followers uh, and you made them feel special. And one of the things that's happening at the platform right now is the notion of selling check marks, which is not one I necessarily agree with. We'll talk about that. Uh, but the notion of that at all is seeing the journalists flip out. Uh, having Elon Musk have a tweet out there that says, basically, uh, I'm going to democratize journalism so that people can get the truth from the sources that they deem fit and not just be bound to mastheads, which is ostensibly what we say here, right? Headlines is about, hey, look at this ridiculous reporting. Let's make sure we're always critically reading ourselves. Let's make sure we're always evaluating. We're not just trusting whatever's under the Washington Post headline or the Fox headline or the Vox headline or the Atlantic or anything else that we might talk about. That is a notion of we need to be better at identifying biases. We need to be better at looking at rhetoric and critically thinking about what we are being told so that we can be better citizens of whatever country we find ourselves in, just citizens of the world. And that is the kind of concept that Elon Musk is putting out there, but perhaps not as delicately as I just said, right? And so journalists are freaking out. Like there are tweets all over the place. I didn't actually bring those up in what we're talking about in headlines today. Uh, there are journalists all over the place that say, you know, well, we can't just allow Bubba to have his own thoughts with a verified check mark. You gave us this check mark so that we could be, you know, trusted. There's this notion of, uh, authority and appeal to authority from a journalistic class that to me, actually, honestly, this is me editorializing, right? I mean, it's, it's all me editorializing and hangouts, but uh, is frightening, frightening, right? No human being should think themselves so sacrosanct, so infallible that I am the light and the truth that you should follow. And how dare someone else without my Columbia degree or what have you should be able to compete with me. That's insane. That's insane. I, I, I try to lightly say this in some comments that I get sometimes, which is like, I'm so glad you covered this at topic X. You're the only source I trust. I said, please don't, don't say that. I can make mistakes just as much as anyone else. I have biases. I try to account for them when I otherwise talk about something, but every human being has slants one way or the other on things that they want to go. Definitely triangulate a little bit. Definitely find somebody that disagrees with me. Definitely go see which argument you think is made better. Engage with that stuff. Not only because it's more enlightening, but because it's fun. But because it's fun. So, yeah, I don't think he knows what he's doing. But I do think that the journalists don't know what they're doing either. At least the ones that are coming out and saying, oh, well, this is, this is going to destroy credibility, et cetera, et cetera. It might. 
selling verification checks is a bit of a silly idea if you don't have some kind of backstop on verifying who's getting those checks, what it means to get those checks, actually going through that process. And I think that's the thing that Elon, in in none of his 2000 tweets I just went over in prepping for this episode today, actually talks about is that step. And I'm hopeful that that's a step that's going to happen. You also see some stuff that's kind of changing on the fly where they're going to add an official label to official checks, which means like we're kind of getting into the situation of a full on star belly sneeches phenomenon where you can buy the check, but the check doesn't mean the check anymore. Instead, you want the official label and the official label. Maybe it'll be sold later. I have no idea. I have no idea. But this is what I'm talking about, about this topic. Obviously, I'm energized by this because it's crazy. It's crazy. It's very rare that you see a major kind of foundational plank of at least portions of society, which journalists have clearly relied upon with Twitter, just get sold. It just gets sold, right? And this is the nature of a public uh, company, uh, of a company that isn't the government, that has its shares outstanding. And this is what I try to tell people. When I say that Twitter can ban you, when I say that Facebook can ban you, when I say that YouTube can ban you and that they're mercurial in nature and we should be criticizing that, we also should be aware of exactly what kind of basket we're putting our eggs in, right? If you're not doing that risk assessment to say, hey, this could change in a minute. Elon Musk could buy YouTube. He can't. He can't buy YouTube. It's too big. But Elon Musk or someone like him could potentially go and buy into a major company that you're otherwise personally, either through blood, sweat, or tears invested in, and everything changes, and your your sky falls in, your roof caves in, then you weren't assessing your risks properly. And if I could do anything, it would be, hey, just understand, I'm making YouTube videos, right? I help market my firm with YouTube videos. I help talk to you. I have a community here. I make money from putting out YouTube videos. YouTube could say, you know what, Rick, man, God, we hate ball caps. We really hate ball caps. New rule, no ball caps. And I'm sorry, guys, I just can't work around that. Obviously, I can't work without my ball cap. And I'm just out. I'm just out. And that would be a bummer, but I would be out. All right. Mrs. Hoglaw confirms she has not seen any crazy DMs. So whatever she has interacted with you on, she did not deem crazy. Why? Because where reasonable minds can differ household. If you saw Mrs. Hoglaw tweet out an image of one of our preview sample items for the story, probably... Pretty excited about that. We got for the winter. We've got reasonable minds can differ blankets. I'm going to have to get under them or I'll start paying through the nose for some more heating here in Michigan. Uh, but we're going to have blankets. We're going to have some fun stuff there. Uh, I am so far behind because of my little screed here. And so it's a, such an active chat. I really appreciate it. Sharon says, I've never sent a single tweet and I only joined to follow law tubers. I may have liked a handful of tweets, but I'm blocked by Boozy. Who isn't? I'm blocked by Boozy. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we put a lot of our updates there. So it's a useful platform for seeing various YouTube personalities to tell you when their videos are going to be or that a video is coming, that kind of things. Ozzy, like Ozzy Osbourne, according to Nine Inch Nails gal 1994 yesterday, Ozzy elections are always on Saturdays, though pre-poll voting is a thing. Yeah, we have remote voting. We have mail-in voting. We do those kinds of things as well uh, here in the United States. UK elections are during the week, not weekends. Casey says, I technically have a Twitter account, but I've not been on the app since 2019. This is like when you go into my stats and say, uh, see that YouTube says that I've had a YouTube channel since, I can't remember, 2009, something like that, where it was because I had a Gmail account, I believe, um, or that I, I wanted to comment on somebody's video. So it counts to you as having a YouTube channel. 
<laughs> but the, the the official year that I started doing YouTube at all is 2018. So you get this you get this short line of lifetime, and then you're like, oh, actually, he's making stuff now. Uh, I, I I hear you, KCD. Sometimes those not lines and those stats don't line up. Calling most blue checks journalists is a stretch. I'm saying even the ones that are legitimate journalists, you go into their profile and they work for somewhere we would recognize as a masthead are uh, going a little crazy this week. Going a little crazy. Casey, I keep the Twitter because it pushes other things I don't want people to see down on the Google search page. <laughs> uh, I love it. Cyboozled interesting in most of Europe's stores, except gas stations, bakeries in the morning, and things like these are closed on Sundays anyway. Voting is on Sunday so people can participate. Yeah, that's interesting. We don't close our stores on Sundays. That's definitely true. Uh, we might have different hours. Phantom Channel says Musk has never had an original thought. His handlers do all the work for him by purchasing other people's ideas and established companies. Look, I am not in the Elon Musk coverage game, he says, after 70 videos featuring Elon Musk this year. Uh, or at least I haven't been since 2022. Uh, it's an interesting thing to follow him because he does seem to be very kind of ooh squirrel to any specific thing that goes on on Twitter. And so he's responsive. He's reactive. And that's actually kind of fun to see when you get used to bureaucratic slowness. But you are seeing some kind of the negatives of that a little bit with the chaos, right? Chaos. Sharon says $8 is a money grab and will quickly be abused, in my opinion. Well, the weird part is, is it's nothing. $8, you could have everybody on Twitter subscribe for the $8. It's not going to change Twitter's stars. It's not going to change their profitability. It's a small amount of money compared to what they were making from advertisers. Uh, so he either really believes in it or he didn't think it all the way through. I don't know if you've uh, ever seen the Disney movie, Meet the Robinsons, but there's a running joke through that movie about making plans and not thinking of them all the way through. That's what it reminds me of uh, when you're watching Elon Musk in action here. But also we have to take with a grain of salt that the people reporting on it, again, are feeling at least a little bit slighted by the notions that they are seeing from Twitter. They're feeling a little bit nervous. And I think we have to take that into account because I don't think they're maximally accurate on what they're reporting. So we'll talk about that as well. Britt with a big super chat this morning. Thank you so much, Britt. Blue checks were supposed to be about letting you know that the person posting is who they say they are. Yeah, they're called verification check marks. Blue checks made it a club for elites. Not my problem. The walls of their club were made out of straw. I think Twitter helped them do that. I think Twitter helped them psychologically invest in this notion that a blue check mark was somebody special rather than just somebody that has been verified by Twitter to be the person that they say they are. I still think check marks have value. Uh, you can see here on YouTube that Hoaglaw is a check marked channel. And that only happened because there were people, you might recall this, that were going into my comments using the Hoaglaw logo, using the Hoaglaw name, and asking people to send their information to a WhatsApp link. Uh, and I said, no, 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 no. It's very articulate with that. Uh, and I said, YouTube, this is unacceptable. And YouTube got me a check mark in like, I can't remember, it was like four hours. And that was uh, available to distinguish. Hey, if you don't see this, that's not me. Please don't send your financial information to anybody. And then I put a community post note up that said, I don't ask for financial information. Please, please don't, <laughs> don't, don't do any of this. Uh, but I think it's useful for that. And I do worry that selling the check mark is going to allow for bigger tricks. It's one of the reasons why when we are going to look at the parody angle 
of the story today. I don't think it's quite being treated fairly by those that are anti-Elon Musk when we consider that they want to sell the verification process. And there's good ways to think about that. And there's bad ways to think about that. Or, or more specifically, there are ways to think of it as really, really bad, a bad step. And there are ways to at least give it kind of the benefit of the doubt. I will hopefully talk about those as we go. Kayvon says, I've actually made writer friends on Twitter. Yeah, I think you can make good contacts on Twitter, but it's like walking through a minefield to find the friendly people. There's no question about that. I don't do Twitter, says Randy, but I'm for anything that makes journalists flip out, LOL. There is some of that, right? That's the other thing that you have happening on Twitter. You have chaos, you have journalists flipping out, and then you have people that take that kind of shud and fraud approach to to journalists flipping out. And I, having done this now for six months in headlines, I, I'm at least sympathetic to that. I try to push that down, uh, but there are people who have engaged very negatively with me on Twitter that are absolutely losing their minds. And it's like, okay, I try not to, try not to look at this askance. I'll just, just walk on by, uh, but they are flipping out. Just Sarah says, remember when Tesla took away Musk's Twitter toy because he couldn't play nice with it? Now he's bought the toy factory. <laughs> think of the SEC. Think, think of the Securities and Exchange Commission <laughs> looking at the things they have said about what Elon's allowed to tweet about and not, and, and now looking at the fact that he runs the company. There's going to be an SEC lawsuit about something. Not yet. He hasn't said anything yet that would drive that, but something. Uh, Ray XYZ says the rule of thumb is don't trust who says you can trust me. Certainly not if that's all they offer. Trust me, bro. Is a meme for a reason. You shouldn't do it. Triple checks equals stars. Yes, they should. You know what? It should just be a picture of a star belly sneech or just a star belly. You go from blue check to official check to star bellied. We can just, we can make it a whole kind of pop culture thing. And you just sell increasing prices for these and maybe you can find some Twitter profitability with it. Why not? Why not make it some kind of avant-garde statement of a company? You've already lost $44 billion. Go nuts with it. <laughs> Strive420 says, good morning, everyone. Peace sign emoji, heart emoji. Good morning, Strive420. Nice to see you. Hello, chat. Just got back from voting, says Olivia C. Hello. I hope your voting experience was so smooth one. Red hearts and blue hearts. I see what you did there, Olivia. That is very nice. Reasonable minds can differ. Zachocracy says charging $8 for a blue check when many people are addicted to Twitter is genius and a good way to add a numerical value to their obsession. Maybe people will have a realization and go outside. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? Anybody likes business, anybody that likes seeing this kind of uh, thing as a disruption that isn't otherwise emotionally or psychologically invested in it, I, has to be loving this. What is going to happen? How many people are going to subscribe? Are they going to make a dime? Is Elon going to blow up the company? Are people going to flip out? Will there be more lawsuits? I, I run a channel with virtual legality at the head. I, this is this is what I live for. <laughs> Nicholas says, Twitter competitor Mastodon has increased with over a million users since Musk's takeover. Reminds me of what happened to MySpace after they revamped. Well, we'll talk about that. The daily active users on Twitter are way up at the same time. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, Mastodon, what's really funny about Mastodon, I don't know Mastodon as a platform, but you are also getting journalists or other prominent blue check marks that are leaving to go to Mastodon and then coming back to Twitter to talk about their experiences on Mastodon. It is another wonderfully 
kind of uh, paradoxical genre that has emerged on Twitter in the past few days. It is, uh, it's crazy. Uh, Akaruki asks for a gaming dino blanket. Um, I think, uh, I think we could probably make that happen. We'll have to see. We, we're adding stuff uh, that makes that makes sense when we can add it. We, we are just two people. I used to say it was just me, uh, but we were just two people working on these things. And co-counsel, my goodness, she will not put something in the store if she doesn't get a sample verified first. Uh, so we are doing our best to make sure that we're not selling you crap. SCJ643 with a super chat. Thank you so much. Twitter Blue should have no ads. I've blocked so many advertisers on Twitter. If I'm paying, I shouldn't have to see someone hawk random stuff on me. I believe the Twitter blue value sale is half the ads at like a higher level of targeting. So pay Twitter and they will analyze your data harder. I don't know. Nobody does. Nobody does. Now I can tell you there are things that some people do like about Twitter blue, even as it stands today. Uh, There are benefits to having an undo button on your tweets. There's benefits to being able to kind of folderize your bookmarks. And I under, if I understand correctly, there are like press outlets. There are news outlets that allow you to get the, through their paywall in a deal with Twitter uh, for that uh, Twitter blue. That's the actual thing that I might look at if Elon could expand that so that I'm not constantly having to bounce around paywalls for Bloomberg or the Washington Post or somebody else uh, and could use that to talk with you guys on those topics. That would be uh, that would be helpful. That would be helpful. Sardinism says Emily pulled her chat, Emily D. Baker, presumably, and by the end, people who weren't blocked were deeply offended. Oh, <laughs> by Boozy. Oh, yeah, I was on, I, I was in the chat on that stream. Um, and yeah, I think it was 65% were blocked by Boozy, something along those lines. Uh, I wasn't blocked by Boozy until recently when EDB asked us to check. I don't tweet either and follow food and some law tubers, lol, whatever. <laughs> mm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, see, this is going to be a fun conversation today. We're having a fun morning, really exciting hangouts and headlines. I'm loving all these chats. Just a great time. Midnight Wind says Musk is living in so many people's heads. This is hilarious. He does seem to do that. Uh, Abigail says hoax says companies really slowly. Wondering if the third syllable will appear or not. Companies? Com- companies. Hmm. Interesting. I probably say all sorts of things a little bit different. I saw Meet the Robinsons when it came out. I adore that film. It's it's one of their better ones, especially off the beaten path. That's not just like part of a franchise already. Meet the Robinsons. Love the music in Meet the Robinsons. Yeah, it's kind of like Tomorrowland in uh, in Disney World. It has that kind of bopping. Uh, Sharon says, I remember that happening to you, Hogue. I don't remember what I said, but it did happen. I'm only telling the truth here. Whatever it was, it did happen. Uh, Kellar Timi, being able to pay for the blue check doesn't mean that you will automatically get that blue check. The verification process has not been specified. The average person won't want it. So that's a question mark. I tended to agree with you, Kellar Timi, but we did get to see the patch notes for the iOS app, which apparently were erroneously published a few days early. And one of the sales pitches is like a bullet point that says, uh, you can get a blue check mark just like the celebrities and politicians and journalists that you follow. So I don't know what their process is going to be, uh, but I do think that it's basically if you want to give Elon eight bucks a month, they will put a blue check next to your name. The interesting thing about that is, and I was talking with some of my friends uh, who have blue check marks online the other day, 
Uh, and I said, well, if it becomes a negative outcome, but you like Twitter blue, like, do you still subscribe if people start laughing at folks that have check marks as being, you know, silly with their money? Uh, is there going to be an option to turn off the check mark? Hey, I like your services. I like the undo button. I like whatever you let me do here on Twitter. There are talks that they're going to have essentially a partnership program to allow you to put content like these videos up directly on Twitter and share ad revenue, which is how most of these platforms work. Uh, and Twitter has not yet had that in place. So for, for instance, these videos don't go up directly on Twitter. Uh, there's a placeholder uh, on Twitter and a link to the YouTube uh, because that's where the algorithm likes it for YouTube. And YouTube is the one that helps push these things more than Twitter does. So we make those choices as well. Twitter might be able to change its stars a little bit there. But if a checkmark becomes a bad thing, should there be a button to not have the checkmark? And that's that's kind of a funny part of these stories. Twitter neuroscience is amazing, though. I, who doesn't love looking at this stuff? It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> M. Swartz with a super chat. Wait. I should stop believing all journos. Apparently, I've learned nothing from Hogue. Oh, no. No, no, no. It's not. You should stop just blindly trusting. If you've ever blindly trusted anybody, including me, you should use your cognitive faculties because that's what is awesome about being a rational human being and analyze what I say and analyze what Taylor says or Cats or uh, The Verge or The Atlantic or Vox or anyone else. Uh, and say, hey, yep, okay, that makes sense to me, or, oh, they're clearly putting their own political slice of life in there, and I can at least say, okay, I don't need to take that as the news item that I'm looking at, or, hey, maybe I just agree with them. Either way, using that faculty is, is good, it's fun, yeah, absolutely, but I appreciate the sarcastic super chat, M. Schwartz, and I hope you're having a great day today. Kelly Marie says, Starbelly Sneetches is my favorite Dr. Seuss story. Starbelly Sneetches is coming to life on Twitter, straight up. And that's a lot of fun. I just joined Twitter to interact with creators on YouTube. We are over there. We do use Twitter a lot. This is true. As a non-Twitter user, it's pretty amusing to watch. I get that, Carrie Harvey, 100%. Uh, Stephen King's exchange with Elon was fascinating. Who's actually bringing the value to the check marks? Right, Stephen King thinks that he's making Twitter what Twitter is. Elon Musk disagrees. Uh, Stephen King is not... Um, retiring in his personality or demeanor on social media. He tends to make very strongly worded, sometimes well thought out, very often not commentary on news of the day, uh, as does Elon Musk. So there's no winners really in that argument to me, but it is interesting to watch, isn't it? Abigail says, that's an angle I hadn't thought of. Buying the company, your first company had problems with you interacting with is definitely a flex. Uh, there was somebody that brought up that Tesla went out there and said Elon Musk is not on Twitter in 2009. Uh, and wow, what, what a difference a decade makes, right? Absolutely. All right, we're going to scroll ahead a little bit. We're going to get into some of these stories. Uh, Claude Simeon, from memory, you are right. Peter Jurassic and Andreas Katsoulis uh, were awesome from Go. Season one so painful, though. Don't know I can stomach a rewatch to double check. <laughs> I like... I like that there's no reference to what this is about. So if you didn't watch Eon's, uh, Eon, Eon is somewhere between Ian and Egon. Uh, but uh, if you didn't watch Eon's, God, I did it again, Ian's stream this weekend for the Extra Life charities that I was on, one of the conversations we were having a lot of is whether or not 
the Babylon five actors were good from moment one or whether the show got better significantly in the years to follow. And Ian stood his ground that Babylon five acting was trash in season one. And I said, well, at least there are a couple of exceptions. And then he went after the actors that play Londo Malari. That's Peter Jurassic and Jakar. Uh, that's Andreas Katsoulis. And I said, they were great. And he said they were not. So thank you for the super chat and for backing me up. Also, thank you for backing me up without even checking the source material. <laughs> I always appreciate it. I always appreciate the support for the channel. Having fun. $8 a month, $8 a day. We don't know. E uh, Eon. Elon. That's where it's coming from. I keep pronouncing Ian as Eon because I'm used to saying Elon. There's a fun morning uh, tribute uh, to Mr. Musk. <laughs> uh Katie says, I want to change my Twitter avatar to a star-bellied snitch. I like it. I like it. I think you could do it, and it's only kind of lightly sarcastic to everything that's happening. I say go for it. Uh, so much fun. All right. Ian, name, Eon, length of stream the other day. Mm, it was. It was a very long time. Uh, <laughs> uh. Shireen says, I'm with you, Hogue, on Babylon 5. Shockingly, are we not in general agreement on my takes on pop culture? This is okay. This is what I say. People can have differences of opinion. Reasonable minds can differ. One of the reasons we have that as our tagline here in a space that doesn't talk about politics too terribly much is that you can see that even better when you're talking about things that are unserious, right? I love Babylon 5. Maybe you hate Babylon 5. We can have that conversation, realize that different people can use different premises and different assumptions to arrive at different conclusions, and then maybe, maybe extrapolate that out to things that are more serious. Maybe. If the channel's doing what it should be doing, we got some love Babylon 5s. Are you going to discuss the Elon parody account this morning? Yes, we're going to talk about Kathy Griffin. Uh, there are all sorts of things. I have no idea exactly how long I'm going to talk about any given thing, because this is a very unusual headlines it's not really focusing on one headline or another. So we're all going to work through this together. I'll probably be interacting with chat even more than I usually do on this. And we're, we're just going to make it work, people. And on that note, make it work. Make it work. Uh, we're going to uh, bring up those, uh, which I don't have set because I was working on them right up until the very start of this. Let's make sure we get all of this set up properly. And we will share this screen. And we will size it. You're seeing it all in real time, behind the scenes action here. And we will try to get Fox Business here to not play this video that it desperately wants to play for us. So we're going to wait for it to load up because it's very fast at doing this. And we're going to hit pause before it can sell us this commercial. Oh, so effective. What, 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 what production values here? You can't get this kind of content anywhere else. <laughs> so Fox put up an article. Uh, that was published at the top of Monday, so yesterday morning, uh, which I think did a reasonable summary of the manic energy that Twitter and Elon Musk had over this weekend and towards the end of last week. So if you followed absolutely none of this story, you can see references here in the headline to the delay of the blue check mark or the $8, the verification, Twitter blue, a debate with Jack Dorsey, who was the CEO of Twitter up until about a year ago, uh, and before Mr. Agrawal took over for the 11 months that he had the company, the layoff question and more. And honestly, Fox only covers maybe 50% of what happened there. I've got, as you can see, however many tabs I've got open. We're going to talk about what we can talk about. 
but there is this kind of zaniness, this kind of craziness. And I apologize for Fox updating you on politics all at the bottom of the screen. This was not what it looked like yesterday. Hey, it's election day. Okay. They are going to start out with this debate between Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey on Twitter. It's very interesting because it's not interesting. So Jack Dorsey built this company. Jack Dorsey is taking the blame for himself as to why there were so many layoffs, why they hit so hard. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about kind of the relative silliness of the lawsuit you've said you've seen about these particular layoffs and hopefully give you a little bit of extra context on that. But let's start where Fox starts here. Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey went back and forth about content moderation and misleading information on Twitter Sunday night in the wake of Tesla CEO's acquisition of one of the world's most used social media platforms. Dorsey, who created Twitter in 2006, responded to Musk's tweet about Twitter needing to become the most accurate source of information about the world. Accurate to who, Dorsey asked. Now, I have to take a step back here. This is philosophy, right, chat? This is philosophy. And and you get this question. It's like, well, okay, so there is a truth value in the world, right? If someone was crushed by a boulder that fell off a cliff and Twitter says somebody was crushed by a boulder that fell off a cliff, that is superior in terms of accuracy to Twitter saying a Thomas the Tank Engine train fell off that cliff and crushed this person before laughing and driving into the ocean, right? That didn't happen. That is inaccurate. So accurate to who is a question mark. And this is ultimately the foundation philosophical question of our time in dealing with these kinds of issues, which is that misinformation, disinformation question that you see so often, whether it's from the White House, whether it's from the opposing party, whether it's from YouTube or the CDC or anybody else, we don't want misinformation. We don't want disinformation. On that question, I think you can say, well, what's disinformation? What is misinformation? Things that are at least a little bit opinionated, things that we don't know. We can't talk about Thomas the Tank Engine versus a boulder in that case because we don't have full clarity on what actually occurred. I think that's the first step that you make. That's the first point that you make if you're Elon Musk. But Elon Musk always seems to skip the steps that I would see somebody in a logic position do. So he just says, uh, in response to accurate to who, as judged by the people of Twitter via community notes, which which allows for a certain amount of like truth is what the mob thinks it is. I I don't I don't know. I folks, is this a good answer? Am I being am I being too specific on this stuff? Is this a good answer either from Jack Dorsey, accurate to who, or from Elon saying it's up to the mob? I mean, uh let me know. I I, I want to make sure I'm reacting to this well. Uh, Tom Tim Riggs says, accurate to who is a bloody hilarious question coming from the guy that put Vijagadi in place and created the trust and safety group. Well, there's that as well. There's the Twitter history of basically deciding what you can see and not see. It's one of the things I've reacted most strongly against. I did a video on the, the Hunter Biden uh, laptop stuff just before the last election, because however you feel about the politics here, that really isn't the step I want social media to take. I don't want them to be gatekeeping from people making their own assessments of these various things. Uh, you've also got, there's, there's a lot of cynicism here, but I don't blame folks. You've got a uh, Chaucerian fraud here. Disinformation is what the government does not want to be said. Maybe it, it could also be what these platforms don't want to be said. If they want that power of control, it depends on what they are looking to do. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Callista says, I see Elon is embracing our post truth world. I hope not. I think that's a mistake. Reasonable minds can differ. We can talk about that philosophy if you want at some point, but I think that's a mistake. 
Hill CT says, in my experience, any company that lays off more than 10% of its staff in one quarter becomes both unmanageable and uninvestable. Yeah, because of the human response. We will talk about that. Elon looks to have fired about half of the workforce uh, this last week. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, Sherry says, it's a ridiculous answer. Mob rules. Accurate to who is a good question. They play with semantics. Accurate doesn't necessarily mean truth, only truth of perception. Uh, I think accuracy requires reality. I, I think it I think it does. Now, different words can mean different things to different people. So your point is well taken that these two might be talking about accuracy in a different context. I hear accuracy, and that means to me the truth of the matter asserted, as it were. That is a terrible exchange, and Musk's answer is comic, but not good. Uh, before Elon, it was according to Twitter employees. Uh, and and that's that's a fair point as well, right? Okay, Rick, maybe that answer isn't perfect, but if the comparative answer is it's up to the Truth and Safety Bureau at Twitter and random people in San Francisco versus the community notes, then the community notes is an improvement. I could potentially accept that as a, a reason to, to back that particular answer. I just wish he were more careful about saying this is essentially don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. We'll try to take steps to advance things that work. B says, the only situation where the masses are right is when EDB says Chad is always right. Chad is bay laughing emoji. I got to tell you, I've gotten a lot of great ideas from chat, and I love these interactions every morning that I have them. So I'm kind of in agreement with Emily on that. Uh, sarcasm aside, it's true. Okay. Uh, and so lots of different thoughts already. It's accurate. If I agree with it, naturally, a lot of cynicism too. I don't blame anybody for being cynical about social media or these two gentlemen talking about their position in the world. This continues a little bit. Uh, he says he's changed the name to Community Notes. Uh, Jack Dorsey says, I still think Birdwatch is a far better name and more informative, a far better goal. Is Birdwatch more informative a name than Community Notes? I would say no. This is an interesting part of this conversation as well, because you're also seeing publicly CEOs argue about nonsense. And I can tell you as someone that has practiced corporate law for almost 20 years, CEOs of big companies, vice presidents in charge of billion dollar budgets, they say stupid stuff all the time. When I come in here and I tell you it's human beings all the way down, that is not just philosophically, that is reality. I have watched people make really good choices and make their shareholders a lot of money and made enormously fruitful technological leaps. I have also watched that go exactly the opposite direction with people that find themselves in positions where they make silly decisions. And you can see here that Jack Dorsey is like, well, I liked Birdwatch. Okay. You're talking about something really serious philosophically. He says it's Community Notes, formerly Birdwatch. And what do you respond with? Oh, I, I, liked, I liked Birdwatch better. Oh, okay, great. Elon Musk responds with not everything needs to have bird in the name. Too many bird groups fighting each internally. Uh, other at Twitter, angry birds, Musk joked. Community notes, which adds labels and context to potentially misleading tweets, was introduced as Birdwatch in 2021. The feature began as a community-based approach to misinformation after the 2020 presidential election. A tweet posted by the White House was infamously flagged last week for erroneously crediting Biden with increasing social security payments. Even I, Even I talked about that one on Twitter. Um, yes. So it's, uh, it, it's interesting, right? We have, we start with this conversation and you can see how kind of inane it gets, uh, really early on from these masters of the universe, these titans of industry and yeah, yeah. 
Musk cut about half of the company's 7,500 employees on Friday. Musk tweeted that Twitter's lawyer, uh, Twitter's layoffs were necessary because the company was losing more than $4 million per day. So we've moved on. So Fox is presenting this as happening over the weekend. And even Fox is presenting it as this kind of manic energy. Like Elon Musk is all over the place. He's having this conversation with Jack Dorsey. They fired about half of the company's 7,500 employees on Friday. We were told it's about 3,700 of those employees. Now, I do think it's useful to give context to that because one of the things that happened online is that uh, especially Twitter employees who obviously use Twitter to interact with the world uh, did kind of cast it as the sky is falling. Oh, we're not even sure the system is going to work and it's going to be just a travesty and a disaster all around. And, And one of the things that I had said uh, is that I didn't really think Twitter was going to change all that much. And it was actually hard to believe. Oh, thank you, Fox, for, for moving everything around. It was hard to believe that Twitter actually needed something like 7,500 people to operate uh, in its ecosystem. So if you go and you look, the Los Angeles Times actually did a graph of the Twitter employee number here. And you can see they were at 7,500 people uh, and they fired about 3,700. So that's going to put us at just a little bit below, Fox likes to try to sell us ads, folks. So we're, I apologize for this. Um, we, we won't use Fox too terribly often. They just had the good summary here. Uh, that uh, if you take that 3,700 away from 7,500, you get a little less than 4,000, which puts us basically at the employee number that Twitter was operating under in 2018. Uh, and so you do have to ask the question of whether or not Twitter is going to go under, Twitter is going to be destroyed by taking its workforce down only a few years uh, in this particular period. This was a giant leap in employees during the pandemic. Uh, And clearly evidence of Twitter trying to kind of scale up for something, but what that something was, was never really realized. So one of the things that I think people miss on the Elon Musk stuff, and I'm not going to tell you he did this well. I I don't think he handled this uh, with kind of tone control that I would like to see at the mass layoff situation, but If you're going to buy a company and you think it's underperforming, one of the things you do is you analyze this type of stuff uh, and you say, okay, well, what are you doing now with 7,500 people that you couldn't do in 2018 with 3,900 people? And I can't answer that question. I'm not in these back rooms. I'm not looking at all the internals, but it would surprise me if it was much of anything. Twitter hasn't fundamentally changed in my time on the platform, which started in 2018. And it's hard to believe exactly what they would have doubled in order to make that happen. Elon Musk obviously are also famously has kind of issues with the trust and safety council and with the things that they were doing for moderation. And uh, yes, it's no surprise that those are some of the parts of the company that were, that were battered more. I got ad block here. I try not to block ads for things that I'm using in a context like this on hangouts and headlines, but I, I can appreciate it. Uh, I certainly think Fox goes too far with the, with the videos that they try to pop up on you. Uh, but uh, yes, if you look at this, the context is interesting. That doesn't make it any easier for the 3,700 people that were just laid off. I don't want to pretend that it does, but it is worth noting these things uh, because, well, frankly, it might not be the apocalypse that people want to suggest that it is. So they fire those people. They go through and do that firing. On Sunday, it was reported that the social media platform was reportedly trying to bring some of those workers back Dozens of workers are being asked to return, some of whom were laid off by mistake, and others who have experienced building features that the new Twitter owner wants, according to Bloomberg. This also kind of adds to the narrative of Elon Musk is bad at this, which is we'll see the jumping off point for the Atlantic when we get there, if ever. 
Twitter now asks some fired workers to please come back. Management's trying to bring back dozens of workers. Some employees now needed or were laid off by mistake. Fair enough. You don't want this to have to happen uh, if this Bloomberg report is accurate. Of course, dozens against 3,700 is maybe the margin of error you should expect for these kinds of things. It's also why you would probably want to take special care with these layoffs. So I'm kind of of two minds on that. Obviously, it's a bad optic for Elon Musk and Twitter. Another major move by Musk involves the new $7.99 subscription service that allows ordinary users to have blue check marks. The feature will reportedly be delayed until after the Tuesday midterm elections. Uh, so it was coming out on Wednesday, it looks like. A Twitter manager told the New York Times the launch of the subscription service, yeah, here it is, is planned for Wednesday. But the Apple iOS update over this weekend said you could receive a blue check mark next to your names. Your account will get a blue check mark just like the celebrities, companies, and politicians you already follow. Musk referenced the subscription service while poking fun at comedian Kathy Griffin for being banned on his platform. Griffin changed her profile name to impersonate Musk, which violated the company's policy against impersonation and parody accounts. So what's interesting here is that a lot of folks on Twitter and elsewhere are trying to use this in particular as a point that Elon Musk, who has ascribed himself as a free speech absolutist, is not really that. And that becomes a complicated question as well. For one, as I said from the start, I didn't really think Elon Musk was going to change drastically the way that Twitter operated its moderation policies. But in other, the question becomes, okay, impersonation like this, you declare yourself Elon Musk. I think she wanted to, I think she was advocating for Democrats in the election, I believe is where I saw in the story here. And getting suspended for that impersonation is distinct, at least arguably, from free speech, that you are you're defrauding, that your your identity stealing is different from saying whatever it is that you want to say, especially when the check mark is involved. It's definitely against Twitter policies. So there's no question that Twitter already had a policy that you can't do this. The question is, under new management, has his philosophical stance said that you shouldn't be able to do this? And he goes out there with a tweet, which I have in one of these tabs, I think, that says, uh, if you are going to do this, uh, you have to say that it's going to be a parody, right? Going forward, any Twitter handles engaging in impersonation without clearly specifying parody will be permanently suspended. He also points out that was already the rule. We issued a warning before suspension on these, but now that we are rolling out widespread verification, there will be no warning. So this kind of goes hand in hand, right? If we're going to be selling verification check marks, we can't have people using those verification check marks to look like other people. And you can already see they are kind of filling in the rules that need to go with what they're planning backwards. Oh, here's the loophole that's going to hurt here. Here's the loophole that's going to hurt here. It is that kind of going fast and breaking things and figuring out what you need to do, which can be fun to watch, uh, but is maybe not the kind of safety producing foundational leadership that you want to see in these positions. So I don't know. How do you feel about this chat? This is one of those where I, I really am of two minds. Certainly, impersonating someone is distinct from honoring their speech, right? We do want to know who we're talking to. However, Twitter does always show your handle. So even as you can see in this picture, we've got Elon Musk checkmark at Kathy Griffin. Should we be expecting reasonable people to look at that and say, well, that's clearly not Elon Musk? Maybe yes, maybe no. Of course, there are phishing scams that work every day that say, hey, check out this email from HR and it's from just a series of numbers at hotmail.net. Um, so I don't know the answer to this question. I can say that this is how Twitter has operated. I would expect Twitter to operate in this fashion. 
Elon Musk, I think, was always selling, at least philosophically, rhetorically, a certain amount of a bill of goods to people. And he was always going to have to come out with rules like this. Is that right? I can't tell you. But it seemed to me like that was always going to be the case. Let's see what else we've got uh, from the chat here. I think the problem is more on retweets. It would just say that EM retweeted without showing the handle as someone else. Oh, that is a good point. You only see the name that the current account has on a retweet. Uh, and especially if you're following both. So you're expecting to see Elon Musk retweeting things. That could cause an issue, Kate. That's excellent. To me personally, I think that you could have a technological solution to this that doesn't require people to say that they are parody necessarily. If they have a check mark, if it's verified, you can't change your name while you have the check mark. Right? You just it's it's unchangeable while you are a subscriber to Twitter Blue. Seems to me to be the easiest solution there. Uh, but uh, thank you. Yeah, I think retweets are a problem, Kate. That's a great catch. Tim Riggs says, are there not potential legal consequences for Twitter verifying someone is who they say they are when an impersonator then uses that system to speak as someone they are not? Yes, there are. I think there are legal consequences that have not been thought out by Elon Musk or Twitter across the board here. Uh, and I've talked about this. One of the problems with only selling verification is the scenario I just presented earlier in this video with respect to my YouTube channel, right? I'm on YouTube. I see someone scamming using my name and logo. I tell YouTube about that. YouTube says, okay, well, if you want a verification check mark, that'll be $8 a month. I say, well, you're now complicit in the fraud, right? I've told you that this fraud is happening. You're not doing anything to take care of it. You said, yes, we could potentially make a difference for your experience and potentially save people money and not be defrauded. We're not electing to do so unless you pay us our protection money. And I think that's absolutely the kind of court case that if you get the right jurisdiction, you could bring against Twitter if you have that scenario present itself in the future, which I imagine you will. And you combine that then with not taking the proper steps, not being able to ban everybody. You just don't have the resources to ban everybody that does this kind of thing that you see from Kathy Griffin. And I think you're opening yourself up to potential legal liability. I 100% do. So Tim Riggs, that's an excellent super chat. And I think that's the kind of thing that when you move fast and you break things and you don't react uh, with kind of a slowness of decision-making, you can get yourself into. Elon Musk, has faced a billion lawsuits. This is how he operates his companies. This is how he operates his life. Lawsuits are a cost of doing business to him. But I think in this particular context, he could find that that's a problem. Definitely. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe got suspended after impersonating Weird Al, who he's playing in a movie. Did he? Did Daniel Radcliffe get uh, a suspension? Well, he would have been a blue check mark, and then he would have been, if he's acting as Weird Al, potentially problematic there. Uh, you can use you could use those accounts separately. You can mark them as parodies, especially for promoting a movie. Uh, I definitely think we need to be careful about things that are just promotional. Uh, but yes, it's a close question because as Elon Musk tweeted out, you know, whatever comedy is back on Twitter, it does present uh, at least a bit of an ironic juxtaposition with doing things like this, even though I think it might be necessary. Eleanor Pigeon, didn't The Onion write a brief on parody? He's not against parody. So here, here's the distinction. Nuance, not Twitter's favorite thing. Uh, they're not against parody. They just want it to be announced uh, as parody. Now, what's interesting about that is that, you know, like folks like the Babylon Bee, which we know Elon Musk is a fan of, that got suspended from Twitter and may have been the starting point for Mr. Musk deciding to buy Twitter, uh, don't always declare themselves as particularly parody in nature. Uh, so it's it's interesting, and I think people rightly are calling him out a little bit on focusing on the folks that are making fun of him. Uh, he is that kind of individual. He does seem to have a certain amount of thin skinness on these kinds of topics. And 
This is going to be a continuing problem if he continues to kind of act publicly in that way. I can see both sides of this. We don't want people defrauding other people. In, to some extent, this kind of action is, is a defraud. But again, with Kathy Griffin, you have to look at the actual content because you can absolutely parody someone and then make it clear that it's a parody. You're making a commentary on their character or what have you. If you just go and say, I'm Elon Musk, uh, and here's the crypto wallet you should put money in with my verification check mark. You got to be worried about that. And Elon knows this better than most because Twitter is just a sea of fake Elon Musk's asking you to put money in their crypto wallets. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons he, I think, reacted so strongly to the bot numbers that Twitter was giving him. But again, it's mercurial. Again, it's personal. It's idiosyncratic. It may not be the best thing for his company. And so you get into these questions, 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 questions. Uh, but if she really wants her account back, she can have it. He added for $8 and that makes him look bad as well, right? This is a violation of policy. You've just said people <clears throat> are going to be banned. And now you've said, but you can get, you can get back on for $8, which at least to me implies that you can violate any rule that we have. If you then pay me our extortion money, it's not a good look. However, you might feel about it at the end of the day, these kinds of comments, Twitter troll at large now in the presidency of Twitter, I don't think work very well. And it's no surprise to me that advertisers who are really conservative by nature are saying, get us off this roller coaster ride. Musk has also announced other sweeping changes to the platform, including the ability to attach long form text to tweets, monetization for content creators, changes to Twitter's search feature, and a pay for verification plan. And he doubled down on his plan to promote free speech on the platform. My commitment to free speech extends even to not banning the account following my plane, even though it is a direct personal safety risk. I don't know how you would ban somebody for following public information, but here we go. All right, so that's the Fox summary, but we did pull out some interesting things, right? We already pulled out the notion of this layoff concept. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Here, with all these pictures, we have the Daily Mail, which I always have a fun time with as a source, but they did get their hands on what looks to be the way that the layoffs were handled at Twitter. And this is something that, especially the Atlantic, that we'll see in a minute, are going to criticize him on. And the notion, let me pull this down, apologies. Uh, the notion of firing somebody by email sounds cold, sounds callous. It is, but understand, at least at the start here, corporate lawyer, again, uh, if you're a knowledge-based company, if your company is entirely built around kind of concepts uh, and it often lives in the minds of people, if you're gonna do mass layoffs, one of the things you have to do is you have to restrain access for those people that are going to be laid off. So what Twitter basically decided to do is they closed everything. They closed their company, they scrubbed everybody's access, and then they gave you an email that said you're in or you're out. Now, unfortunately, that scrubbing, that removal of access happened before the emails went out. So people kind of knew and they went out on Twitter and it's all a problem. But the part that I want to focus on this is the, the what they're getting. So you're fired. Hello. As shared earlier today, Twitter is conducting a workforce reduction to help improve the health of the company. These decisions are never easy, and it is with regret that we write to inform you that your role at Twitter has been impacted. Today is your last working day at the company. Now, this is important. You're not working there anymore. You're also not fired. However, you will remain employed by Twitter and will receive compensation and benefits through your separation date of February 2nd, 2023. And you say, Rick, what in the world is happening here? And what's happening here is what we call the Warren Act. Uh, which is a federal law that is also copied in places like California, does some different things in that state. And the Warren Act says, basically, if you're going to have a mass reduction in your workforce of a, companies of a certain size, then you have to give 60 days notice 
to these employees of that reduction in the workforce. You have to go and tell them so that they can prepare themselves and that society in general, from the federal perspective or the California perspective, doesn't have to just have thousands of people just suddenly become unemployed and, and have to deal with it. We want to give a smooth landing ramp to them. So 60 days notice is what's required. This is obviously not 60 days notice, uh, but they're also not firing people. They're just essentially saying your services are no longer required uh, and we're going to fire you on February 2nd. During this time, you will be on a non-working notice period and your access to Twitter systems will be deactivated. While you are not expected to work during the non-working notice period, you are still required to comply with all company policies, including the employee playbook and code of conduct. Within a week, you will receive details of your severance offer, financial resources extending beyond your non-working notice period. At that time, you will also receive a separation agreement and release of claims and other offboarding. So this document here, in order to get your severance, not pay, uh, you have to sign up essentially say, there's no reason I'm going to sue Twitter. It's your release of claims. That's the consideration on both sides. In order to have a valid contract, such as giving you extra money, there has to be some kind of promise in return. Generally speaking, when you're going to have a severance, that's going to be a promise that you don't have any reason to and won't sue the company after this. Now, what's interesting about this process here is that it still got a lawsuit for Warren Act noncompliance. And I thought this was interesting. I wound up tweeting about this. Here's the Bloomberg article. Lawyer sues Twitter over layoffs, says Musk is trying to comply. Lawsuit comes as new boss plans to eliminate half workforce. Musk called a similar earlier lawsuit by Tesla Workers Trivial. And the reason this headline is interesting is that you can't, well, maybe you can see it. It's really small. This was originally an article that I had bookmarked and was prepared to talk about uh, with you about a week ago that says Twitter is sued for mass layoffs by Musk without enough notice. It's a Warren Act lawsuit. And I said on Twitter, well, that seems like a wrong-headed lawsuit. They're given the 60 days. And somebody, a labor lawyer, I believe, comes in and says, well, that's, that, that doesn't change things. They still haven't given the notice. So that's fair. They're undoubtedly in violation of the Warren Act for notice. The question that you always have to ask yourself about law and statutes like that is, well, what's the penalty? If I'm in violation of that, what do I owe? And we can go to places like the Department of Labor in the U.S. and get the following. Are there penalties to the employer for violating the Warren Advance Notice Requirement? Yes. An employer that violates the Warren Act Notice Requirement is liable to each affected employee for an amount equal to back pay and benefits for the period of violation up to the total 60-day window. So in this particular circumstance, if Elon Musk and Twitter say, we're going to pay you through February and we're telling you here at the top of November, and then we're going to have severance on top of that, well, you're already covered for Warren. So the Department of Labor also talks about that. What if my employer pays me for the 60 days instead of sending me my WARN notice? WARN requires 60 calendar days written notice. So you're in violation of WARN. The law makes no provision for any alternative such as pay in place of the notice. But while an employer who pays workers for 60 calendar days, instead of giving them proper notice, technically has violated WARN, the provision of pay and benefits in place of a notice is a possible option. Because Warren provides for back pay and benefits for the period of the violation up to 60 days, generally this approach by an employer, apologies for some of the text here, this is their web app coming through a browser, in place of notice means that the employer has already met the penalty specified in the act if the payment is not required to be made. Warren allows voluntary payments of wages and benefits to be offset against any damages that might be awarded. In other words, this is the, what has become kind of standard protocol if you've got the cash to do it. Okay. We're going to cut off your access because we're a knowledge company. You can't afford to be having that access at Twitter, but we're going to pay you for the full Warren Act notice period. We're even going to treat it like it's a notice. We're going to call it a notice period. And then we're going to do severance on top of that. 
it's very difficult to see how Twitter did them dirty on this particular stuff. But that didn't stop articles from being written all over the place about, oh, there's a lawsuit about the way they're handling this with very little kind of actual analysis of what the act requires, right? We're going to give you 60 days notice. If we don't give you 60 days notice, we owe you money for the 60 days we should have given you notice. We're giving you that money in advance. We're essentially agreeing that this is violative in advance. That's what you can do at a company like this one where you really don't want people to have access because if they have those levers at your company, they can do real harm to your platform. And the WARN Act is not designed to make companies have to just risk it with employees they think they can do real damage. So Twitter is definitely in violation of WARN on this. They didn't get the notice, but they're paying for the penalty in advance or as Sardinism says rightly here. So it's a violation, but there's no actual damages. Yes. Now there are civil penalties that can be added to this kind of thing and you could potentially go and seek them, but they're not worth it. They're not. So I don't expect this lawsuit to go anywhere, but it was optically treated by these various places as, oh, it's a big deal. He got sued when he got sued essentially early. The lawsuit was filed on the Thursday before the emails went out. Uh, and so they try to take credit for it, uh, right? You see this this headline change to the person that sued says, well, I guess he's trying. It's like, there's no reason to believe that it ever wasn't that way. Chances are they didn't change uh, what they were offering to these people overnight on this. But who knows? Who knows? The long story short is it's very unlikely that there's labor law issues with this particular layoff, no matter what you may have heard separately. <clears throat> I asked Turbo1984 says, when I got fired from my last job, I didn't get the 60 days notice. I was suspended until further notice, then received a letter in the mail a week later telling me not to come back. Well, so Warren is only for like significant layoffs. So I don't know whether that was you, like a whole division or a whole plant uh, or just large portions of companies. There are thresholds that you have to pass. Um, so any given firing doesn't have a Warren Act issue. Uh, but if it's going to be a major substantive change at an entire enterprise, then you have that Warren Act pop in. So I don't know your, your I don't know your story, uh, but yeah, you don't just get 60 days notice if it's just you or if it's a small group uh, at your company. <clears throat> Let's see what else we have here. We have some people talking about election day. We have some people talking about the layoffs, <clears throat> pretty generous layoffs. If you ask me, I, I actually think so. Uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty high in terms of time and severance. Uh, hopefully they can find good jobs. Um, but uh, it's it seemed pretty reasonable to me on this. Uh, and that's the layoff story. The other story that we've been talking about, right? We, we had somebody comment on Mastodon. Elon Musk tells advertisers that user growth is at all time highs. But will that be enough for advertisers to come back? As The Verge reports, Twitter's daily user growth hit all time highs during the first full week of Elon Musk owning the platform, according to a company document obtained by The Verge. I don't know if it's this is where they obtained it, but Elon Musk tweeted it out publicly. Maybe it's where they obtained it. I don't know. Uh, and you can see here from the, the charts that he is tweeting for their monetizable daily active users, the global number is now above 255 million. Now, interestingly, they say it went up really high in this kind of area right here. And it did. That's a good, that's a good number, but it, it isn't massively distinct from this whole summer number. And the summer, remember, is where the deal falls apart, right? The summer is where the deal falls apart and then people return to Twitter because the deal falls apart and then other people come because Elon Musk is here. I don't know if this is a good time frame for actually judging whether Twitter is growing or not, but certainly he's touting it here because it does suggest that the great mass exodus that has kind of been reported on, uh, that journalists have been highlighting, oh, everybody's going to leave Twitter, Twitter is doomed. 
That doesn't appear to be the case. As of right now, this could change. This could change. But as of right now, through the entirety of the summer and up till now, uh, if we're believing this and there's no real reason to disbelieve it, this is what Twitter is doing. And there isn't an exodus of really any demonstrable kind uh, as of yet. So again, it's, it's kind of be careful what you read on this stuff because users don't seem to be running away as much as the world, or at least if you're on Twitter, Twitter world might be suggesting is actually happening. So is Macedon actually becoming a reasonable competitor? Don't know. Since Musk's dramatic takeover, Twitter's monetizable daily user growth has accelerated to more than 20%. If those numbers are in line with how Twitter reports metrics when it was public, they imply that the service has yet to see a mass exodus under Musk's ownership. Meanwhile, Musk's gutting of Twitter's leadership, coupled with the resignation of its top advertising executive, Sarah Personette, has left advertisers wondering who to raise their concerns with, and advertisers are a part of this story. Another part of the fact that they're working on highlights how quickly things are changing inside Twitter right now. It says that the coming revamp of the Twitter Blue subscription that introduces paid verification will not affect existing verified accounts at this time. So they seem to be walking back the notion that Elon Musk had floated that existing check marks would have to pay for this. And that large brand advertisers who are already verified will now have an additional official label beneath their name upon Twitter Blue's relaunch this week. Like I said, star-bellied snitches. We're going to get more and more separated this. After the author, Stephen King, and others complained about the $20 price point, Musk quickly lowered it to 8 And even though he originally said the team building it needed to release the new Blue subscription by November 7th, its release has now been delayed until after the midterm elections. Now, interestingly, all of this is kind of rumors and innuendo. He wanted to change it to charge $20. That was a rumor. That was a leak. He lowered it to 8 We know it's 8 as the offer. We don't know exactly how this went. We certainly don't think Stephen King fundamentally changed it, but The Verge reports on it that way. And so there, there is a vested interest from these various reports that I could read in basically declaring, as The Atlantic does here, Elon Musk is bad at this. Look, I can't tell you that this is the way I like to manage a company. It is not. I can't tell you that I love what Elon Musk is doing there, specifically in public, having these fights out there. But there is a possibility that this is all going to work out for him. And I do wonder exactly how folks will react if that happens. And we'll see the Atlantic try to grapple with that, I think, pretty poorly. Tim Riggs, thank you so much for the super chat. Musk publishing uh, pushing for subscription models is huge. If a company is ad-supported, you and your data are the product and advertisers are the customer. If their revenue comes from users, they are the customer. Yes. I mean, I think if Twitter became a subscription service, uh, then you would definitely not be beholden to the giant advertisers of the world when you are otherwise so beholden. I don't think Elon Musk intended to alienate the advertisers that he appears to have alienated. Because if you just look at the numbers for $8, even if every subscriber joined, it's not comparable to what the advertising money can be. So it's an interesting thing to look at from afar. I tend to agree with you that at least having other business revenue models is helpful to not being beholden to any one of them, right? You can see the same here on YouTube. This is a super chat, right? And I have talked in this space about YouTube cutting off uh, videos that I have done, YouTube otherwise keeping things down, especially if I talk about YouTube uh, in them, you can see those numbers kind of not work out like other videos that are otherwise comparable to that topic. And so, you know, I added Patreon, I added Utreon, Super Chats help get around that. These are different business models and revenue models that help avoid kind of being beholden to the platform that is beholden to the advertisers. Uh, and so that definitely works. And you can see Twitter potentially getting 
better if they go with that subscription service, but it's all still going fast and breaking things right now. So it's unclear how that will work out in the long run. Thank you so much for the super chat. I think your point is well taken. Now, as I said, this Atlantic article is actually pretty representative of a bunch of things that I have seen, which is a lot of folks wanting to just say Elon Musk is, is bad at this. As I said, it is very true that this isn't the way that I would do things. I'm a much more kind of conservative, small C, move slowly, take careful consideration, make sure that people are treated as, as human beings. And Elon Musk is much more of a Silicon Valley, move fast, break things, humans are numbers on a spreadsheet type of person. The Atlantic seizes on that. Elon Musk has spent the last 12 years tweeting whatever comes into his mind, often without major negative consequences. That was before he owned the place. Now, less than two weeks after his $44 billion purchase, the world's richest man is finding that his actions, which recently included tweeting a baseless conspiracy theory to Hillary Clinton about the assault on Paul Pelosi, may actually have consequences. Advertisers are fleeing. The employees remaining after a round of mass layoffs are alienated. I source needed. And onlookers are completely vexed by a freewheeling approach that has coincided with a rise in hate speech on the platform, among other problems. Now, this points to a Washington Post article, which I don't think I kept up. Oh, I did. Look at that. Uh, about essentially as the deal happens, here's Taylor, people posting various things that don't get immediately stripped. Now, what's interesting about this is that I thought from moment one that any of this kind of stuff happening at the moment that the sale is made is, is just silliness. Uh, but you're taking advantage of essentially tumult, a, a change in leadership, a shift change. If you're watching Ocean's Eleven or some other kind of heist movie where probably the police aren't watching things as closely. But did that signal a massive shift in how Twitter was likely to treat these things? No, I don't think that it did. And we don't get follow-ups to these particular articles, nor do we get what these articles like The Atlantic kind of say. A rise of hate speech on the platform is evidenced here in The Washington Post by essentially one or two or three tweets that they highlight as, as being potentially problematic. And I'm not going to go into this whole article. because It's kind of the typical Washington Post social media interaction, kind of the typical Taylor joint here, which is we get some quotes that espouse what we want them to espouse. And here's a tweet that was bad and it was liked 5,000 times on a, on a platform with 255 million monetizable users. It's retweeted uh, 700 times, liked 5,000 times, and probably wouldn't have made an impact at all, except for the fact that the Washington Post is highlighting it. You use the quotes here about what you don't find acceptable speech as the Washington Post, and this is really where the fight lies on all of this stuff. But I don't actually think that this is a terribly useful data point. I will be uh, unhappy, honestly, to be corrected if I'm wrong on that going into the future, but I think Elon Musk and Twitter have already said you know, that they're going to keep track of things that are illegal and otherwise uh, with respect to advertisers. So we'll see. The Atlantic, Musk's fans see the billionaire as a visionary, but it's worth noting that many casual observers, people whose only real understanding of Musk is as the guy who put the fancy electric cars on their streets, have also internalized the heuristic that he is good at business and the type of man who spends his waking moments dreaming of how to save humanity from its existential problems. That's just marketing. Uh, I don't know, folks. I don't know if people in general think Musk is a visionary uh, futurist, uh, humanitarian. Uh, I had never thought that before I started covering this year, but maybe different people do. But what Musk is showing us in real time is the folly of equating financial success with intellect, managerial savvy, and good judgment. So this is fundamental. Th this is essentially a notion that the entire concept of meritocracy, such as it might exist, is, a, is an illusion. Um, and while I think 
that Elon Musk or any top man or top woman uh, who is seen as something above humanity because they had some success, whether it's Elon Musk or Mark Cuban or anyone else that you can name on this is probably wrong. I don't think we can just say they did nothing, uh, that Elon Musk has never produced anything of value. It's just accidental uh, that he has achieved his wealth and his uh, success. I, I don't think that's a wise way to go. It's essentially the far end of the pendulum. And that's what's suggested by a sentence like that. Given Musk's current focus on advertisers leaving the platform, I called up Rick Webb, the COO of TimeHop, and a co-founder of the Barbarian Group, a major digital ad agency, who this author is going to ascribe uh, to have more expertise uh, and, and more value than what Elon Musk is doing. This is essentially going to be a he, he said, he said kind of concept where the Atlantic just gives value to one over the other. Again, if I'm being honest, I probably side with the guy that's conservative about advertisers and talks about it like this to the Atlantic over Elon Musk. But I'm also not so egotistical and narcissistic to think that I definitely am right about whether or not this will be successful from Mr. Musk. Uh, and that's what the Atlantic is going to struggle with here, as we will see. The advertisers are gone because of his awful tweets, Webb told me. There's no room for debate. He stated his intentions up front. He cared about advertisers and didn't want them to leave. And then he told us that they've left. He did say that he wanted advertisers to say it was the very first message that he gave, but even before the deal to purchase Twitter was final. And then he tweeted out that those advertisers have left and that revenue is way down. Companies, including General Mills, Audi, and Pfizer, are pulling their marketing from Twitter because they likely don't want their brands to be associated with anything remotely scandalous. Look at this likely here. They don't know. The Atlantic doesn't know. Nobody knows exactly what these various brands are thinking. I will note, and a lot of places don't note, that a number of the brands that pulled out are car manufacturers. It's General Motors. It's these various places that otherwise sell things against Tesla. And that was always going to be a problem for combining these two roles. But people aren't really accounting for that nearly as much as they should. So General Mills, Audi, Pfizer, yep, brands are conservative in general. Musk seems to understand this. According to reporting from Kara Swisher, he realized that ad execs were freaking out and tried to quell concerns on a conference call last week. It did not go well. There were CMOs who literally paused and shifted budgets during the call because of the uncertainty, Swisher tweeted. Worse yet, Musk has either alienated or fired some of the employees, such as Twitter's chief customer officer, who maintain crucial brand and agency relationships. This might all be true. As bad as that sounds, Webb argues that the reality is worse. What people might not understand is that the advertisers don't need Twitter. They barely cared about it at all before Musk. Now, here we have a problem, a fundamental difference in reality and understanding here which is, okay, if they didn't care about Twitter because Twitter wasn't providing ad value, and I would argue that that's exactly correct. The guy that comes in and says, we need to start providing more ad value is maybe someone that we should at least allow to go down the runway a little bit and see if they can make this platform for the better, right? YouTube is famous at making money from advertisers, and even their advertising money was down this past quarter. So we also probably have to take into account the economy, at the same time, advertising money is down. The economy is down. And is that entirely reflective of Elon Musk making silly tweets in the middle of the night to Jack Dorsey or anyone else? Maybe. Advertisers don't like craziness. Advertisers don't like uncertainty. Uh, and so I think there's a valuable kind of notion to be given there. But is it the only one? Yeah. And he's working on trying to make it different. The only reason those people cared about Twitter ads is because they had personal relationships with members of Twitter's marketing team or because there are hundreds of Twitter accounts reps making them pay. 
So the, the argument here is that Twitter sucks for advertising and their people were the only things that were driving any of their advertising and you fired all the people. And so you've screwed it up. Twitter is smaller than rivals like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube after all. Yes. And that's not the end of the story, right? Engagement is the story for advertisers. TikTok is notable for its terrible engagement. Some of these are better than others, but engagement is the key. And we don't know what Twitter's engagement looks like on advertising, uh, but it certainly could be improved. With each passing day, Musk seems to be digging a deeper hole this morning to the dismay of many brand advertisers who strive to be apolitical. I don't, brand advertisers haven't done the best job of being apolitical in the last 10 years or so, but yes, many will. Musk used his 114 million follower platform to endorse the Republican slate of candidates. Let's see what Elon Musk has to say, because I suspect you all will have thoughts. It's election day. Try to keep them reasonable and remember reasonable minds can differ. Elon Musk goes out there yesterday and says to independent minded voters, shared power curbs the worst excesses of both parties. Therefore, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress, given that the presidency is democratic. Hardcore Democrats or Republicans never vote for the other side. So independent voters are the ones who actually decide who's in charge. So he did. He went out there and you have to ask whether he is in a different position after he owns Twitter than he would otherwise be if he were just Elon Musk on Twitter. Certainly, this is a political recommendation from one of the bigger social media channels on earth. How do we feel about that? Elon is separate from Twitter, but it does take on the kind of patina of officialness. And that is likely to rub at least some advertisers the wrong way, right? Michael Jordan famously says Republicans buy sneakers too when he's choosing not to endorse particular political candidates back in his heyday. Elon Musk did the opposite, said vote for Republicans. Now, this standard, this kind of vote for gridlock is not one that is too uncommon to see in the United States. I find it to be a fairly milquetoast-esque position. Hey, maybe it would be better if they weren't passing laws, if they weren't spending trillions of dollars, whether that's for red causes or blue causes or green causes or otherwise. Uh, and so we should just try to stop up the works. Reasonable minds can differ on that, certainly. But all hell broke loose when he put out this tweet. Uh, and it is an unusual tweet from a person in his position, even though we know that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg makes tweets about his affiliations. We can look at his uh, endorsements and we can look at his, the, the money he spends uh, on things around the country. So it's not that unusual, but it is an interesting kind of tweet. I did see some super chats come in, presumably on this point. I want to make sure that I catch them as we are talking about them. Tim Riggs, anything scandalous? General Mills in bed with Monsanto and food safety issues. Audi investigated for financial fraud and Pfizer push, pushing untested vaccines and getting banked from the Fed paying for it. That is a super chat, YouTube, just in case you're curious. Uh, but uh, yes, well, I think every major corporation is going to have some issues, certainly, uh, on all sorts of things. And uh, yes, Pfizer's been in the news. I don't know anything about Audi. Uh, and uh, General Mills and food safety, well, they've, they've dealt with that for forever. So I, I don't know if that's accurate. However, I will say this, uh, any given company that wants to advertise on Twitter is going to have something in its background uh, that you can look at for those purposes. Secret McSquirrel says, hey, you mind hitting that like button? Hearts emoji, smiling emoji. Thank you so much, Secret McSquirrel. I really appreciate it. Please do hit that like button, folks. Uh, we've got almost a thousand of you here, almost 9 a.m., on the Eastern time zone in the United States on election day. Uh, if you hit like, if you hit subscribe, YouTube really loves it. YouTube loves it when you do those things, when you touch its buttons, tickle its buttons, tickle YouTube's buttons. It loves it. It loves it. Thank you so much. 
Uh, and yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's Elon Musk, right? And I have no problem with somebody analyzing this and saying advertisers don't like crazy people. They don't like not knowing where they're heading for. Yeah. So they don't like putting money in major campaigns for a platform that they don't trust. And it doesn't surprise me that they take a step back and say, is this going to be okay before they put more money in? Before assuming control of Twitter, The Atlantic continues, the billionaire reportedly floated the idea that he could gut the company's workforce by nearly 75%, which created a sense of low-grade panic inside the company. Despite the specter of mass layoffs, Musk walked into Twitter headquarters like a court jester. When it came time for the layoffs, he cut nearly half of the company via email and in an act of extreme cowardice, didn't even sign his name. It's not like anyone didn't know who owned Twitter when it happened. I'm, I'm not sure it's an extreme cowardice. Maybe. The cuts, which hit or completely destroyed big chunks of the trust and safety policy, machine learning, social good, accessibility, communications, ethical AI, data science, and research teams, caused real concern that the company may now be especially vulnerable to outages and attacks. And I have to say, I'm just not sure that that's in fact the case. That's why I brought the LA Times article. A lot of these seem at least tangential to what the main business proposition of Twitter is, which is connecting people hopefully pretty quickly, hopefully pretty securely. And there's a lot of other things that Twitter was also doing, which is why Jack Dorsey also in his communications said, basically, it's my fault. I built the company up too fast uh, in the past few years. And I don't think I disagree with him. This is awful chaotic management, says The Atlantic. Jonathan and Melissa Nightingale, who run the Raw Signal Group, a consultancy that focuses on coaching managers in the technology industry, told me that Musk is putting on a masterclass in what not to do to run an effective organization. And again, this kind of writing for articles, I do have a problem with. I've already told you, I don't like the way Elon Musk is running things in terms of management and public outpouring, but just putting up different people who are essentially sitting in the same space as me saying, no, that's not the right way to do it is not kind of useful. <laughs> it's not, it is not evidence in support of your position. It's just another voice. So I don't think that you get to this is awful chaotic management from just quoting people that agree with you. Hey, does anybody agree with me? Yes, I'll put you up. Oh, you're at a consultancy. Fantastic. Absolutely nothing he's doing is cultivating an environment that helps people be creative, consistent, and innovative. Maybe. I, I Benefit of the doubt, you could say Twitter was bogged down with dead weight or things that they shouldn't be doing to otherwise kind of move forward with the core of their business proposition. And that if you actually make that leaner and you focus more on people doing the things that advance Twitter as Twitter, you could make them more motivated. You can see that that could be a possibility, right? For the employees who remain, Musk has created an atmosphere of panic and uncertainty, which destroys trust and leads to employee resentment. Maybe put those facts in evidence, have a source from inside Twitter. Musk has created a vast network of ex-employees who will go on to trash, talk trash and share nightmare stories about Twitter. Okay. But if you're, they're going to share nightmare stories about Twitter, he was in charge for six days before they fired. he fired them. So those nightmare stories are about Agrawal or Dorsey. I, I don't know. This is already backfiring spectacularly. Some of the employees had skills necessary to build products Musk actually wants to launch and were terminated by mistake, says Bloomberg. They said dozens out of 3,700. Maybe that's an issue. You can see how this is kind of the same type of article we read yesterday with respect to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. You start from the proposition Elon Musk sucks, and then you build your evidentiary pathway to get to that. That has some uses. We can see exactly what the arguments are that Elon Musk sucks but it isn't actually persuasive in my opinion. I'd be interested in hearing about what you guys think in chat. 
Had Musk listened to people with experience running social networks like those I cited in the magazine two weeks ago, he might have understood that they are complex, fragile systems and that staff reductions must be managed carefully. Had he gone and looked at the reading material, he would have done it exactly right. This is that kind of appeal to authority, that haughtiness. There is one way to do things, and you are not doing it the way that I would like, that gets companies, businesses, entire industries stuck in the morass of not changing things. I don't like what Elon Musk is doing, but I do like the boldness it takes to just go out there crazily and see what happens. I'm not invested in Twitter, so let the whole thing burn if that's what occurs, but let's learn a little bit of something about what happens. These men and Musk all operate under a hyper-rationalist managerial framework. They appear to have reasoned that Twitter was bloated and losing money on payroll. He said $4 million a day. That change needed to come quickly and that layoffs are naturally messy, so there's no need to handle them with care. That lack of care in particular is a hallmark of bad short-sighted management than Nightingales told me. Perhaps you can make the argument that it's better to get the Band-Aid off all at once, deal with all the negative fallout, and then by the time the next year arrives, we're not talking about this particular thing. I tend to agree, just so we're clear, with this kind of standing. It should be slower. It should be more carefully considered. It should be more well thought out. People that make your products are people, and they are emotional animals, and you have to treat them as emotional people that are invested in the job that they are doing. I agree with this, but I also can imagine a world in which a different philosophy is successful. When we say we... They, when we say care, we mean it in both an empathetic sense, but also in a professional attention to detail sense. Melissa Nightingale said the pair argued that Musk's haphazard cuts and alienation of his employees may work in the short term by balancing the company's budget, but disaster might soon follow. It might. We might all be dead tomorrow. Who knows? If you start looking long term and evaluating his decisions by metrics like how many labor discrimination suits will he face or how many people will work for him again, it looks different. He'll get sued. There will be suits. Uh, there will be suits about all of this stuff. I think he's already baked that into his cost analysis. He may really understand things from an engineering perspective, Jonathan Nightingale said, but humans are different and care is a major input in creating a human system. Maybe. Now, the Atlantic has to understand this, which is why this paragraph exists. There is always a chance that this somehow all works out for Musk. The Verge reported Monday that user growth is currently at an all-time high and an even greater chance that his confident, unapologetic, and wrong-headed style will only endear him to his fans. It's wrong-headed. I mean, like, that's just, okay. I don't know if he's wrong-headed or not. But even if he does manage to salvage part of his investment, what we are seeing is the opposite of a business mastermind at work. So <clears throat> understand that this thesis is kind of self-aggrandizing, right? All right, let's pretend Elon Musk actually makes Twitter four times as big as it was, and this all worked out. It was accidental. At some point, you have to give him credit if that is to be what happened. Now, I have my concerns, just as you do, The Atlantic. But at some point, you have to say, hey, we could be wrong. Elon Musk could be doing this. He's not following the book. He's doing it completely outside the box. And it looks like it's going to be a disaster in certain respects. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's possible that the Nightingales should be asking Elon Musk about how to handle transitions of this type and not vice versa. We don't know. Musk is not leading Twitter with careful vision, and he is certainly not dragging us all into the future with him. He's bumbling his way through a job he's unqualified for. He's treating a human problem like an engineering problem, torching bridges and embarrassing himself in the process. As Melissa Nightingale put it, the entire history of capitalism is a lesson that you can be very successful and also very terrible. In this sense, Musk is an excellent teacher. I'm not sure <clears throat> that one person bumbling, as The Atlantic puts it, around on Twitter is a fully explanatory uh, understanding of capitalism as a system. But hey, you do you, The Atlantic, right? It's fine. 
You can have these kinds of notions. And as I said, we've got articles from all sorts of people and all sorts of mastheads across the internet. You can go and look for whatever it is that might interest you from Elon Musk or from Twitter and see all different kinds of takes on this. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, but I can't tell you what's going to happen. I can't tell you exactly whether or not this is going to work out or not. I can tell you it's not the way I would handle things, but my way is not the highway. I am not going to sit here and promise you that this is all going to blow up in everybody's faces. Lucius with the super chat. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. 100% agree. Hogue Musk is a clown, but the media as usual are insufferable when you cross them. Some of what I've read online seems unhinged. I am not going to lie. The, the journalists, some of these mastheads, some of these articles are very much, my world is crumbling. Elon Musk is the devil. I'm going to write this or I'm going to comment on it or I'm going to tweet about it as if everybody agreed with me that this was some kind of apocalypse. And I will just lay it out here for you. I don't know that Elon Musk will make his money back. In fact, I'd bet against it on this. I also don't know that Twitter will fundamentally change. I think you will wind up in a place where Twitter operates pretty similarly to how Twitter operated before. And I am optimistic enough to hope that there are some improvements under new management. New management often sees things with new light, with new eyes, and can make changes that ultimately benefit things. I can't promise you that. But Twitter was a hellscape. There were things that could be improved, that Twitter refused to improve. They were clearly overly aggressive, overly enthusiastic about keeping information out of people's eyeline. And if that changes even on the margins, I think that could be an improvement for the service overall. I'm not an Elon Musk fan. I'm not a Musketeer. I'm not a cult of personality worshiper for any top man or any top woman. It's just not how I'm wired. But I do reserve the possibility that they could find success doing things that I wouldn't do. Reasonable minds can, in fact, differ. Michelle Johans, one, says Elon has not learned Machiavelli's lesson. He had a few lessons. Which one are you thinking of? Uh, Michelle Johans, I can't pretend to be <laughs> too terribly well-versed uh, in the prince uh, from time to time. So I apologize for that. Uh, we've got other things that they're talking about. He's bumbled away. Elon has billions of dollars. I don't. He must be doing something that works. I think he, that, that's the opposite version of it must all be a mistake. I, I think you can get lucky, but that luck is also a part of being in the right place at the right time, right? So I think that uh, Elon Musk has done some stuff. Elon Musk has benefited from government subsidies. That has to be said. That's how you know, Tesla came to be what it is. That's how SpaceX works in part of what is uh, what his success metric has been. That might ultimately be what happens with Twitter. I don't know. You do have to acknowledge that. Uh, Uncivil Law, Kurt, adding here that reasonable minds agree with me. That is, that is not, that is not the standpoint, Kurt. You know it. He's just having fun. People say hi to Kurt. You got some cowboy uh, in the, the chat here. The Don Designs with a super chat. I don't think Musk is winning here, but for people to say that there is a correct way to run a social media company might be premature. You think? I, I agree with you, the Don Designs. The industry as a whole could only legally drink last year. Yeah, and this is true. And we're seeing social media companies blow up left and right, right? Meta is going to go through some layoffs. The rumors are that Meta is going to lay off a lot of folks. They might have already done it. I'm not up to speed on my Meta newspaper articles because I that was not what I was researching for today. Uh, so we know Meta is going to have some firings. We've seen Twitter have some firings. Uh, a lot of this is bloat from social media is going to build the metaverse or social media is going to change AI or social media is going to do X, Y, and Z. And at bare minimum, it looks like what Elon Musk was targeting with some of that bloat, those ancillary features of what Twitter is and can be. Uh, and Facebook changing over to Meta and trying to build a metaverse. Well, 
that's not going so well right now. So we'll see what is the proper way to deal with the social media company. I agree with you, the Don Designs. There isn't one. And if you read a, a managerial book or anything on a merger or acquisition or transition, there are a lot of different philosophical approaches to these things. I tend to agree that I haven't seen espouse the be a crazy person on Twitter and tweet out every single thought that you have on the toilet or otherwise as the managerial philosophy that you should follow. But I can't tell you, I can't make a promise that it's not going to work. I can tell you it's not what I would do. It's not what I would do. And that's what you're going to get in this space. So, folks, this has been Muscapalooza on Election Day 2022 in the United States. I hope whatever party you follow, whatever you believe, uh, that you have a good day today, uh, that you find yourself in a in a group where reasonable minds can differ, uh, that you don't just have personal attacks that I fear are coming already, just from what I can see on social media this morning, uh, and that you do remember that at least there's one space on the internet here at the Hoglaw YouTube channel where we continue to disagree uh, with a lot of passion about things that are important to people, but still recognizing that the other side is a human being all along. And that includes even billionaires. Even Elon Musk is a human being, I think. I do not believe he's replaced himself with a robot. Uh, and so we should treat even billionaires as humans, mostly, mostly. Folks, this is Tuesday. We do not have a Hangouts and Headlines tomorrow, Wednesday morning. It is Weekend Wednesday, where I always fail to take a weekend. Uh, and so there might be videos on the channel. But I will see you on Thursday. If you have anything that you think would make a good Hangouts and Headlines, please do DM me, comment on the video, whatever it is, to get it in front of my eyes. I can't keep track of the whole internet. And on your way out, like I said, almost a 1,000 people with us this morning. Please do like, subscribe. Uh, tell YouTube that you like this kind of content and that you think more people would like it as well. Do all those things that YouTube loves and have a fantastic Tuesday. And if I don't see you until Thursday, have a fantastic Wednesday as well. Have a great one, everybody.